Um, okay, so last week, um, my in-laws uh, did something wonderful and um, took a wonderful and crazy. Um, they took it upon themselves to take my wife, myself, um, our daughter, and our son to Disney World. Um, and that is something that you only do if you've never done it. They've never taken young kids um, before. And, uh, and so it's, you know, I, I had been um, a, as a kid growing up. I've never been as a parent, um, certainly not of a uh, almost six-year-old and four-and-a-half-year-old. Uh, and as Jenna said, how are we going to, when people ask how our time was, what are you going to say? I was like, I, 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 I don't know. She goes, I think I'm going to say it was an amazing or awesome, I can't remember the word, tail-kicking. Not actually the word she used. That's right. My wife is a sailor. Um, but she said it was an amazing, awesome kicking. And, and I started laughing. I'm like, that is so right. Um, that is great. And because it was awesome and amazing. We had such a wonderful time. But I'm so tired. We got back last night, you know, I mean, late last night. And, and, uh, and I'm just beat, you know. And, and so it's the happiest place on earth. And you go there, and everyone's happy, and everything's just exciting. And then come about 5, 6 o'clock, there's not a single kid in the park that isn't crying. You know, <laughs> just meltdown, um, because it's just been, and then crash. Uh, so it is um, the time of year when they decorate for Christmas. And uh, if any of you know me really, you know that my heart belongs to Bing uh, Crosby and Christmas carols. I I love Christmas music, and I just love this stuff. I love the Norman Rockwell, cheesy, picturesque Main Street that they have when they decorate it for Christmas and walk around in their Elizabethan Christmas costumes and sing Christmas carols. Just spontaneous happiness erupts at every place. Um, And so it was this time of year, and it's just so much fun to be there. Um, we stayed Friday night for the uh, very Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party and Parade. Um, let me tell you, if you've never been to the Very Merry Christmas Party, you need to go. Okay? <laughs> it's awesome. They closed the park down, except for those of you that have the wristbands. And let me tell you, they're mean about it, too. If you don't have a wristband, they, like, send out their little mouseketeers with this line. I'm serious. It was like uh, it was closing down a fort. Um, and they have these signs with a little Mickey dressed as a, kind of a Santa and a snowman. And they're pushing people out. And they're checking wristbands. And you can only stay behind the line if you have a wristband. You know, I mean, it's just like this insane driving the hooligans out um, that don't have wristbands. Uh, and so we had a wristband. I'm like, I have one. Look, I get to stay. Yay. Um, but they do this parade and, and they shut everything down. Snow falls on Main Street. It's awesome. You know, you're walking, there's Christmas carols. The castle is just adorned in millions of twinkly lights. You know, it, it's like Cart Griswold, but so much better. Um, and, and so it's just this beautiful scene. Everything's going on. They're passing out hot cocoa and, and cookies for free. Just 30 minutes ago, it was $17, you know, and now it's free. Amazing stuff. And the snow comes on, and, and I kept going, Corbin, it's awesome. It's snowing on Main Street. It's fake snow, Dad. If you tell me that one more time, Corbin, I know, and no, it's not, you know, and you should have this argument going on with the four-year-old and just beautiful stuff. And so the parade happens uh, and, and we're sitting down. My, my father-in-law, Scott, is uh, a, a wonderful man and he camped out right in front of Casey's Corner. Uh, anybody familiar with Casey's Corner? 
hot dog joint right there on Main Street. You come to the end of Main Street, there's a corner, there's an ice cream parlor on one side, Casey's Corner hot dog place on the other. He camped out right there and blocked off a section of curb for two hours. Two hours. We wanted good seats. Um, and so we go off and we do our thing and we, and we walk around and we see some different stuff and, and we come back. And by the way, we had to fight for those seats a couple of times too. I'm like, this is a happy place. Stop making me do this. Um, go away. Uh, and, uh, and so we're, we're sitting there right on the deal that we, we had rented a double stroller and, uh, and we pull the double stroller up. Grace is sitting in it. Now, Grace, by this time, the parade starts at 815. She's done. Um, she doesn't want to be there. Uh, she has made it clear her, her, uh, her new thing when she wants to tell us that she's tired is she does this. She's, she'll grab you, go, look at me. You know, I'm tired. I'm like, are you telling me you're tired? Do you want to go to bed? <laughs> okay. After the parade, you know, we're, we're going to make it after the parade. We're just so close. You know, just close your eyes and take a little nap. So she does this. <laughs> so cute. Um, but, you know, so we, she and I go through this whole, like, you know, tete-a-tete of whether or not we're going to stay. And um, w- the parade starts. And so she begins to kind of perk up a little bit, you know, because here comes some things. And, okay, this is someone interesting, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Okay, this is great. And then comes this, um, Cinderella in her carriage. Now, Grace loves her some Cinderella. Um, Likes the princesses. On the flight over, two and a half hour flight, Grace and I were um, sequestered in a corner of the plane. And she had her sippy cup, which has Sleeping Beauty, Belle, Lesser Princesses, and Snow White, and, uh, and Cinderella. Kept pointing to Cinderella and then pointing out the window. I'm like, yes, we're going to see her. And she's like, no, I want to see her now. And, you know, I mean, it's pretty much what she was telling me. Well, we're almost there, two and a half hours. We're getting there. We're getting closer. And um, so, so here comes Cinderella and Grace has been sitting in the, the, uh, the stroller this entire time. And she, you know, she gets a little happy and okay. And so I'm taking pictures with one camera, um, down the street trying to get this, but then I figure out I need to take pictures of our experience on the parade and you can't, they're very militaristic about how far you can actually go into the street. Um, so I'm very, I'm a rule follower. And so I don't want to, I'm trying to lean out. I can't take pictures with my big camera. So I start using my iPhone. You know how you can do FaceTime and take a picture of yourself? So I'm starting to, like, hold my phone up, taking pictures of Grace and Corb and their reactions to everything that's coming and all of this stuff. And I'm trying not her not to see it because if she sees it, then she's going to want it. And then parade's over. Here's the phone. Let's just look at pictures. Uh, so I'm trying to do this whole juggling act. Here comes Cinderella. Grace gets so excited. The next shot, don't show it yet, the, the next shot that you would have seen, um, but I dropped my big camera, was Cinderella leaning out of her carriage, making eye contact with Grace, and reaching her hand out. And then this. Grace jumps out of her stroller. Hand up. It was like the Beatles had arrived in America. It was just this unreal moment. This isn't actually the picture when it happened. This was, I think, for Belle. Um, so it wasn't as dramatic. I couldn't take a picture of the moment that it happened. Because like right now, I started crying. 
And I looked at Jenna, who was, you see Corbin right there in the shadow, and Jenna was right next to him. And I looked at her, and we're both just, you know, tears with the happiest place on earth going around us. And here's our daughter having a normal little girl moment. I share this um, at the first service. I said, you know, because I have the ability and y'all can't stop me. Um, and I just wanted to share it. Part of it's because for the past, she turned six on December 20th. For the past almost six years, you have heard her story. You have heard the tough times and you've heard some of the glorious times. Early on, it was a lot of Old Testament gloom and doom stuff. Um, and it was painful and it hurt and there was a lot going on. And we're moving into this glorious, redemptive New Testament time. It's all been New Testament, but you hear what I'm saying, maybe. That there's, there's more hope and more things and more moments like this. Um, but there's still some of that hard stuff um, in the realization that she's not a normal girl. Let me tell you uh, just a little plug for the people of Disney. Awesome. With kids who have special needs. I got to tell you, they were incredible. And you can tell with Grace if you, if you deal with her for any like 30 seconds to a minute that she's different. And they are keyed in on that and totally change everything. It's amazing. They're great with every kid, but kids with special needs, I saw it a few times with other kids. Amazing. We had a special pass that made us um, almost go to the front of every line that we waited in. We called Grace our ticket. She's our ticket. Um, <laughs> fast pass, smash pass. We don't need that. We have Grace, you know. Um, so it, it was, you know, a brilliant thing. So there's the little plug for that. But it was just this moment of, of normalcy where Grace got to be a little girl and see a princess. Um, what it turns into, though, is, is the sermon, actually. So we're in Matthew 21. And, <laughs> and, and Jesus has gone through. No, 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 hold on. No, you... You can, yeah, applaud for Grace. Uh, she did so well on the trip. It was great. Uh, so Matthew 21, we've had uh, Jesus uh, going into Jerusalem during the time of Passover. The, the population has swollen by millions of people. Um, he goes into the temple. He gets a little angry at people who are corrupt and blocking access to God. He throws tables over. The blind and the lame come in. He heals them. Um, then he leaves. Goes to Bethany, curses a fig tree because he hates the Newtons. Um, and then he comes back um, the next day into uh, Jerusalem to the temple, which is where we find ourselves now. 21, 23. When Jesus returned to the temple and began teaching, the leading priests and other leaders came up to him. They demanded, by whose authority did you drive out the merchants from the temple? Who gave you such authority? I'll tell you who gave me the authority to do the things. If you can ask me one, answer one question, Jesus replied. Did John's baptism come from heaven or was it merely human? This is a brilliant rabbinic teaching method. Rabbis would teach by asking questions. They didn't give you the answer. They made you find the answer yourself because it meant more to you. So here come these leaders of the religious elite who ask Jesus a question. The, the, the underlying question there that they don't ask is really, do you consider yourself the Messiah? Because they're asking him, by whose authority are you doing these things in the temple? The only person who had authority to do anything in the temple was the chief 
priest. It was believed that when the Messiah came, that was the man. He then had the authority above the chief chief priest to start doing things. Jesus walked into the joint like he owned it because, well, he did. So he walks into the temple. He begins to do these things, casting out the temple changers, all this different stuff. He begins to teach. I'm sure as he's teaching, a swarm of people have surrounded him. The Pharisees, the Sanhedrin come and they ask him that question. Who's authority? They're trying to trick him. Jesus don't play those games. You know, he goes, oh, yeah, watch this. What about John the Baptist? Did John's authority to baptize come from heaven or was it merely human? And so the Sanhedrin, they gather together and they discuss. I'm sure the crowd went silent because here are the religious authorities right here that Jesus has backed into a corner. or Rather, they've probably backed themselves into a corner. And the answer they come up with is. Oh. We don't know. We don't know. If we say that it is from God, then they'll ask us why we didn't believe John. But if we say it wasn't, then people are going to be angry because people believe that he was indeed a prophet. And there's a lot of people around here that believed in John right now. So what do we do? Um, We're going to say, I don't know. We don't know. Now think of it this way. These are the people, these are the men who would make determinations. It was believed that God gave them the discernment to say whether or not someone was a prophet. These men didn't say, I don't know. They said answers. This is what it is. This is the, that's what they did. And so for them to say, we don't know, was a big deal. And so Jesus does what? Then I'm not going to answer your question. Which I think is marvelously funny. If you can't answer mine, not going to answer yours. However, I think they answered his question when they said, we don't know. It goes on. Jesus tells a story of two sons. The dad asked one of the sons to go out into the field and work. He says, no. But then after thinking about it, he goes out and he works in the fields. He asks another son, hey, go out and work. Son says, yes, sir, I will. But he doesn't. Go and work. Jesus goes on to tell the story, um, uh, uh, basically telling the Pharisees, Sadducees, the Sanhedrin right there. You're the second son. You appear to be respectful and polite. You appear to have it all together. You appear to know where God is. You appear to be the religious authorities. And yet you don't do what God asked you to do. You may look like a believer, But you don't act like one. Whereas the prostitutes, the tax collectors, those people don't look like believers. And yet they followed. As Daryl said earlier, they repented. They gave their lives to the way, as they called it. See, the thing about it is, is we still operate that way today. There are some of us who look like we are believers. We have the little fish sign on the back of our car. Anybody want to claim that one? But you don't drive like it. We wear a cross around our necklace or we dress in such a way and we say the right things and we we put up a little nativity scene on our front yard. But people know us to not live like that. There was, incidentally, in Hollywood Studios, a nativity scene. How about that? 
all of this stuff in Disney World we find in the little corner of Hollywood Studios, a little nativity scene, and Mickey was nowhere to be seen in it. I thought two things. One, they feel like they can get away with it here because it's Hollywood Studios, and like, well, it's just a set. Nobody knows anything. Or two, they're making a statement that Hollywood needs Jesus. I think it's probably the first one. But who are you? Who are we? Are we the first person who doesn't necessarily look like a Christian, but we live our life out? Are we the person that looks like it, talks like it, but we don't act like it? See, the way that this tied in for me, uh, the, the last service, is I had, a, I had an ending and then I forgot it because of the grace thing and crying and, you know, snot and everything. It was gross. And, um, and I had no idea where I was going. But, but then I, just re- I realized that what Grace was doing is she didn't care what anyone around her was going. Time stopped in that moment for her. And she was all out for Cinderella. Didn't matter what was happening around her. Didn't matter if um, this little um, elf Nazi who was, had a little blue thing and was keeping people on the curb and was very stern about it, I will say. She was not the happiest elf. Um, she would run up and down, and at one point, Grace got a little, um, a little too far into the streets. By the way, I would like to say that it was not on my watch. It was another person in the family, but we won't name names. Um, and the lady runs over and is like, you know, getting her back in. I get that it's for safety. Um, Somebody goes, it's probably because they, you know, liability. And I'm like, okay, yes, there's issues there. So, um, but she didn't care. She stood up with everything she had. She's like, yes. How often do we live our lives for Christ like that? That we don't care what other people think. It doesn't matter how we look, how we dress, how we talk. It matters how we live live why aren't we jumping off of the curb as if the king is passing by and celebrating him for all to see and then as we go from that place remembering who we celebrate and continuing to live a life that celebrates him by being the son and daughter of the king that we are that's what it is. And, and that's what, as we celebrate Christmas in the materialistic world that has just overpowered the message of Christ continues to grow, that we remember, I hate to say this, but I will, the reason for the season. But in truth, as we come up to the celebration of the birth of Christ, our Lord and Savior, who would go on to become a man and give his life so that we might have ours. May we live our life in such an unabashed, unashamed way that people know the glory of God. That is a parade I want to be a part of, that people are just going nuts for Jesus. And other people say, hey, what's going on? He is the light in the world of darkness. Let us celebrate that light. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the gift of life that you have given us. We thank you that you give us life even when we don't deserve it. You forgive us our sins. God, I pray that you would help all of us to look at who we are in you 
that we would be unashamed sons and daughters of the King. We thank you and praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen.